1: You're listening to Perpetual Traffic.
0: Hello and welcome to the Perpetual Traffic Podcast. This is your host, Ralph Burns, and this is episode 277. And this week, we have a great guest for you coming up in just a minute. His name is Garrett Hardy. He is actually the chief media buyer for Digital Marketer and the Scalable Company. So if you've seen some of their ads in your Facebook and Instagram news feeds or maybe over on google and youtube he's the guy that's behind that and specifically he's going to be showing you a little bit of a peek behind the curtain so to speak on how a high volume high ticket campaign with paid advertising on facebook and instagram really works using challenges we've seen challenges work really well in the health and wellness health and fitness space but this is in the b2b space so really interesting stuff from Garrett here in just a minute. But before we get into that, we want to get into what's working now, right now, with our VP of media buying at Tier 11, Angela Ponsford. If you're advertising on Facebook and Instagram, you've got to listen to this episode. So all right, let's dive right into what's working now. So what is working right now? Sometimes the question we get is what's working now, but really oftentimes we think of, especially in the last month or so, and is what's not working now. And it seems there's a lot of ads from this election thing that's clogging up all of our news feeds and also spending a tremendous amount of money. And we'll leave a link in the show notes that shows you exactly what political ads are actually being run right now and how much money is being spent on Facebook ads. It's mind boggling. And as a result of that, We know, and Facebook has admitted this, is that all this spend, and a lot of it isn't conversion related, it's just spending to spend, spending to reach millions and millions of dollars prior to November 3rd here in the US is political ads. So what's working right now, sometimes it can be a reflection of what's not working because of the environment. And I think all of us are going to breathe a significant sigh of relief after November 3rd. Wouldn't you agree, Ange?
2: Totally. Yeah, it's just insane the amount of spend that's been put out there by the political parties and by Facebook themselves, reminding yeah. people to vote. I think what's also super interesting is if you're not based in the US, you're completely blind to what it's like for people in the U.S. Obviously, in, here in Australia, we don't see any political ads. There's none. So it, this is particularly important if you're running ads for someone who's based in the U.S. and you're not based in the U.S. yourself, you have to understand how much of an impact this is having on people's newsfeeds right now in the U.S.
0: Yeah, there's more bids out there. There's more people flooding the market with money to spend. And most of these campaigns are not really targeted, super targeted conversion-related ads. They're just get as much out there. in for Biden and Trump, they're probably targeting specific regions, obviously, like the Rust Belt is the big states for the November 3rd election, where we're really trying to sway people that might be undecided. Sometimes it goes Democrat, sometimes it goes Republican. So those are sort of the battleground states. So those are ads that I wouldn't even see because I'm in Massachusetts, which is 100% blue, even though I live in a really red town, and mm. which is disappointing. <laughs> but anyway, it's going to be regional based upon where you are, whether you're in Australia or whether you're in a specific state. You might not be aware of this, but just looking back the last 30 days as of this recording, like between the two top advertisers, the two guys that are vying for the POTUS to be president of the United States here, uh, they just spent over $30 million the last month on Facebook ads. And there's also dozens of other Accounts that are attached to their name. Those are just the top two. So, like, they're probably spending between the two of them $100, $200, $300 million per month. And then you add in all the local elections on top of that. We're looking at billions in monthly spend here, which is just insane. And all that more or less goes away after November 3rd. So, we're hoping that we will get somewhat of a respite here as we go into Q4 and obviously the Black Friday, uh, Cyber Monday season, which is a big one for us. But there's one advertiser in particular that's really interesting. The one that's three, four and five in the top advertisers and it's Facebook themselves. And how crazy is that? They're actually controlling their own algorithm with their own ad spend.
2: Yeah, it's just insane when we saw that it's Facebook reminding people to fall We were on our team call this week and we were talking about, you know, the impact of political ads on CPMs, on just people's attention, all of those things. Like four years ago, like it's just crazy how things have changed. It wasn't even on our radar four years ago to really consider the impact that political ads could have on this little business that's running their ads in the feed, trying to get people into their pizza shop or whatever. Like it's just insane. And like you were saying in in different states, when there's really big spending in certain states, if some of your best performance is coming from those states and then it's just getting hammered with even more spend. It's like right now, I think for until, you know, November 3rd, it's really keep an eye on your account, really be on top of what's happening. Yeah. It's just crazy what's going on right now.
0: Yeah, and weather the storm through November 3rd. So, as of this airing obviously, you might actually be listening to this after the election and what are these guys talking about? My ads are working great right now. I'm selling tons of stuff on Black Friday. If that's the case, great, but right at wicked. this moment and yeah, wicked good for you. <laughs> for the last couple of months there's been a lot of volatility. In the algorithm, and we've certainly seen it with the spend that we're doing, we're not quite spending as much as Joe Biden and Trump are, which is an insane amount of spend, which sort of, hey, it's something to aspire to. But the point is that whether you're spending $10 a day or tens of thousands of dollars or hundreds of thousands of dollars a day like we do, the point is you're going to be affected by all this buying buying up inventory. And I'm not just talking about Facebook newsfeed, Instagram newsfeed, like all the placements are being bogged down with this kind of stuff. So yeah, so wait it out, do as much as you can to optimize your ads, have good messaging, change out your creatives as much as you possibly can. And weather the storm, and we think that Q4 is gonna be uh, a pretty big Q4. I think there's a lot of proof now that people are, obviously comfortable with buying online. We've shown that since the pandemic hit. So can you just imagine that behavior, which has been magnified, how much that will carry over into Q4? And my prediction is that it's gonna be the biggest Q4 in history of Mm -hmm. online advertising and online selling.
2: Yeah, totally. And I think we we've had a little sense of that as well with um Amazon Prime Day which was 13th and 14th of October and we saw a definite dip in performance across a lot of our accounts. And I think that's an indication that people are you know, they are buying online obviously for Amazon Prime. They're not they're not coming onto Facebook and buying. They're they're going to Amazon. But people are buying for sure. I think that's the biggest dip we've seen for any kind of Prime Day in previous years.
0: Yeah, there's been a a major behavioral shift since coronavirus. People that maybe didn't buy as much online, maybe had never bought online or were buying online or just buying more. I know Mm -hmm. the amount of Amazon and boxes that come to our house every day has certainly stepped up. Thank you, Jen Sorrenti, for that. Some of it's mine. can't just say it's all hers. But the point is, I think the behavior of buying online has become so unconscious for so many americans in particular for sure worldwide we're certainly seeing that trend and if you're an online retailer or an online seller you're selling something online and you're on facebook and instagram you're in a prime spot right now getting through what's been a a turbulent last three to six months and looking good into 2020 the rest of the year and 2021
2: Yep, definitely excited
0: excited so that's our what's working now for this week back to the show
1: Hello, I am your co-host, Amanda Powell. And not to worry, Ralph is right here alongside me. We have a very special guest with us, someone that I had the pleasure of hiring back in March, our very own paid media manager at Digital Marketer, Garrett Hardy. Welcome, Garrett.
3: Hey, thanks for having me. Super excited to be here and talk with you guys.
1: We are so excited to have Garrett on. I'm sure you guys are sick of me talking very broadly about our Facebook ads. So we decided it was finally time to bring Garrett on and much deserved. A little fun story I like to tell is how we put Garrett through the ringer when we hired him at Digital Marketer. In a good way, of course, Garrett came in for an interview about a month before the pandemic and... Our marketing director at the time and I liked Garrett so much that we just did the entire interview process, which usually takes about three to four weeks, sometimes a month and a half in the span of about four hours and (laughs) didn't let Garrett leave the room. (laughs) So so we just kept filtering people in and out of the room with Garrett because we were like, this is the guy. This is...
0: (laughs) You yeah, a gauntlet.
3: Yeah, it was a long interview process, but I'm glad we did it that way.
1: We are so excited for you to be here today. We have a lot to talk about, but Garrett, why don't you dive in just quickly on? I think we asked you about this in your interview, but exactly what you had to go through to revamp all of our ad accounts. And for those who don't know, Gary actually runs all of our ad accounts at all of our different um, business properties. So he's not only doing ads for Digital Marketer, he is also doing ads for our uh, parent company, Scalable, as well as the one and only Mr. Roland Frazier. So he is the professional one running all of those accounts, if you didn't know. But you walked into quite a a beautiful, I don't even know what I want to call it, Garrett, a beautiful disaster. I don't know. I
3: would say it was just an account with a lot of history. We'll say that. (laughs) Yeah. So when I got here and got into the ad accounts, I noticed there was a lot of difference, a lot of different types of campaigns, a lot of different objectives, really just a myriad of different things that were tried over the past, I don't know, I guess it was a four or five-year-old ad account. So I did my best to go through the whole thing and find insights that I could pull and take advantage of. But when there's that much data, that many ads, it's really hard for one person to do. So, I mean, I knew going in, regardless of the shape of the DM ad account, I knew I wanted to rebuild it anyways, just to bring my naming convention on and just to make it more familiar and easier to navigate and a little more organized. So we ran ads out of the old ad account for maybe a month or so while I was getting the new one set up and getting some spend through there, shared some audiences over and stuff like that. But I knew Yeah. I I knew coming in that I wanted to rebuild the whole thing. So we got that new ad account over repixeled the entire website. I got a new pixel on there. That probably is what took the longest. And yeah, now it's great. I always just coming from an agency background, I'm always cautious of taking on, Old ad accounts and old pixels that other people have been And especially since DM worked with several different agencies over the years. A lot of people have different philosophies on running things, but I remember at one point in the interview process, Amanda, you mentioned that one of the agencies was running traffic campaigns to certain countries in Africa and in Asia that will generate very cheap clicks, but <laughs> That did happen. maybe not be the most <laughs> qualified traffic. So hearing stories like that. makes Did
1: it make you want to keep it?
3: <laughs> it, it? Yeah, no, it didn't. Not at all. We've seen success with some like African and Asian countries on the front end, but when some of our upsells are pretty expensive and that's usually where the drop-off happens. But whenever you have something like a, a pixel with that much data, and if it starts skewing towards people that, don't convert in the long run. It can hurt you. So we re-tagged the whole site when I got here and started a new ad account. Just wanted to start fresh. So yeah, it was a fun process and I'm glad we did it.
0: It was all about clearing out history that you didn't really think was advantageous for the business at that point. Yeah, exactly. That's a big step for a lot of people that are probably, we've talked about this many times and we've done it recently. We had no other choice to do it. Mm It sounds like you were in that situation as well.
3: Yeah, definitely. And I I have a pretty extensive agency background and that's one thing we often did if we had a bigger client that was coming in that had been with previous agencies in the past. Just we want to be confident in the quality of the traffic that we're running to the pixel because to scale an ad account, you need good lookalikes. And to do that, you need good pixel data. So that's something my first agency taught me as a foundational if I'm taking it over from someone that's, you know, been running it for a while and the DM account was probably, I think, started in 2014 or 2015 or something yeah. like that. So, yeah, there was a ton of stuff in there, just pages and pages of stuff. So,
0: yeah, all that data is being aggregated by Facebook. That could be good. It can be bad. But if it's targeted in the wrong way, then it typically will skew your data and circle the wagons on the wrong audiences that you don't really want to target. Not necessarily the ones that are the cheapest leads, but maybe the ones that are maybe a little bit more expensive from a lead perspective, but buy on the back end, which is what this whole thing is about. It's not just all about like cheap leads. It's about making ROAS on your spend. But you've only been with DM for three and a half months in the heart of coronavirus getting hired. Congratulations, by the way. (laughs) And has it normalized a bit or when did it sort of start to sort of make some signals that it was getting better? Yeah, it
3: probably took about probably two months to normalize, two and a half months. Mm -hmm. So, but, you know, to mitigate that, there was a period of time where I was running traffic out of both ad accounts. Obviously, I shared the old audiences over to the new ad accounts just to test the retargeting audiences, engagement audiences, stuff like that. But, you know, getting the pixel trained, yeah, that was probably about a two and a half month process.
0: Still running traffic to the old account, just to catch your bets, because you were new in the job. So you had to yep. sort of protect yourself there a little yep, bit. exactly. <laughs> and
3: the old Pixel was still on the website as well. Right. It, it might even still be on there. I, I'm, not, I'm not using any of those Pixel audiences now at this point. I've actually been at DM since March. So as we know, Pixel data only is available for six months. So by now, all all the traffic that I've run is what's on the Pixel. So
1: And you've done such a good job that... Like I said, you're now running a bunch of campaigns for Mr. Roland Frazier, which is we're going to talk about one particular funnel today that we found a lot of success in not just through Roland's campaigns, but also success through some of the marketing that we're doing at Digital Marketer. But this is a really, I'm excited to dive in because I am focused on digital marketer, but Garrett gets the excitement of some of the other brands that I don't get to work on. So,
0: Well, there is no question that when it comes to influence and persuasion in digital marketing, no one, and I mean no one, commands more respect than Dr. Robert Cialdini. If you have never read his books, Influence and Persuasion, I swear... and DJ Sprig. Attendees will absolutely be able to understand exactly how to gain a competitive edge in the marketplace by leveraging online reputation management. Now, that's something that we haven't talked about here on this show all that much.
1: The campaign that we're talking about is Roland's EPIC challenge, right? And the EPIC challenge stands for Ethical Profits in Crisis. And I'll let you walk through how we originally launched it. But Roland decided to do this almost as a goodwill campaign as the pandemic started to take off. He decided to put together this particular program, and then we found that it it does work well as a predictable selling system. But again, it originally started as a campaign that DM was just helping out with because Roland wanted to do this for the people who were struggling during coronavirus.
3: Yeah, so I think Roland is someone who has a really good understanding of actually how many businesses go under each year and how many opportunities there are to for potential investors to step in and help save some of those businesses. And I think obviously when the pandemic started, that just exacerbated. And I think Roland saw an opportunity to help people come in and learn how to make deals with these businesses to help keep them afloat. And he's really the perfect one to do this because he's done it so often. And it was just a natural progression, I think, for him to teach others how to do it. But, you know, the main thing that you're learning in this challenge is how to how to find and acquire businesses with no cash out of pocket. And one of our best performing ad copies talks about how many businesses shut down each year and and how many opportunities there are to, to help come in and save them and add to your portfolio at the same time. It's over half a million businesses each year just in the United States. And that number is much bigger if you think globally. So it, it was just a natural progression, I think, to, to to start running this type of challenge. And once you know, we saw the success of it, pivoting towards an every green strategy with it.
0: So it started off as a sort of a goodwill play in in the middle of the pandemic. And I remember when he launched it, I was like, "That's actually really good." Like the you know, the whole acronym Ethical Profits <laughs> in Crisis, but it's transitioned. And we've talked a fair bit about this in the last couple of episodes, especially is how an offer can be sort of the same offer, but you can transition it and give different messaging up front to add to the longevity of that offer. And you guys have actually done that. You started it back during the, well, the height of the pandemic. It's not like the pandemic has gone away, it's still there. <laughs> but now you've transitioned it more to like this how-to way of doing it, as opposed to being able to make ethical profits in the midst of a crisis. This is more of a An evergreen offer where it really is how to buy businesses for no money down in essence. And you've gotten great results even during the the pandemic side. But now as it's an offer that's more evergreen, it's really worked there as well. But you're also facing some challenges right now as far as messaging goes, which is I think when we were talking before we hit record today, is typical of what we're seeing on Facebook and just in media in general, your offer that crushes today, chances are in three months, it's <laughs> going to start either not getting the ROAS that you're looking for, or maybe the CPAs are starting to climb, and you're going to have to transition. Obviously, right now we're heading into the Black Friday, Cyber Monday, and the holidays and all these other sorts of things which may add to it. But sort of tell us about that journey, like CPAs, like how you were able to transition and, you know, what you're looking at right now through the end of the year of how to change that messaging or to keep this thing going and continuing to bring in paying customers for Roland's products.
3: Yeah, definitely. I think one of the biggest challenges that, you know, we face as you know, media buyers is how to keep keep these things evergreen and keep these things scalable so you always have to be thinking of, of new ways to offer an entry point or to think about your messaging up front. When we first started doing the Epic Challenge, it was focused on outlining a bigger problem and telling people way they can get involved and make some money and help fix the problem. After that, we pivoted our messaging to focus on this course will teach you how to buy businesses with no money down. And I think That drove a lot of scale for us over the past four or five months. It's it's something that you don't really hear often. Even before I got here, I never knew that you could buy a business without paying any money up front. So Mm -hmm. I think that messaging and that headline did really well for us, just plain and simple. Here's how to buy businesses with no money down. Did you know you can buy a business with no cash up front? That type of messaging. And that did really well for us for the next four or five months. And then now I think we're approaching a time where... not sure if it's due to seasonality or the offer, but I think it's time for us to make another pivot. And that's part of the game is you got to keep things fresh and keep keep testing new things.
0: If people know what's coming next or it's predictable, the (laughs) offer is predictable, then they'll tune out. And Mm -hmm. this is an interesting sort of way of approaching a market which was done in real estate 10 years ago. So I, I remember, I'm dating myself here, guys, but 10 years ago, running real estate lead ads to, uh, for lead generation for how to buy properties with no money down.
1: Yes. Mm-hmm. And
0: that was like a big deal. Nobody was actually doing that. Now everybody does it. But Roland's now taken. you can actually buy a business with zero cash down and here's five ways in which to do it. That's the same type of thing where, geez, I never really thought that was possible. Garrett, you said it as well. But if you can make somebody's head turn a little bit with your messaging and present a message that they don't know what the end result is, or maybe it's a twist on an old messaging, all of a sudden you've got a messaging and a hook that might really stick. And it sounds like you guys were able to do that, sort of transitioning it from, like I said, more of a crisis pandemic labeled messaging to one that's far more evergreen.
3: You know, I think the next, I guess the next evolution of advertising this funnel is going to be... I think people are starting to get a little tired of the whole crisis and pandemic stuff. We've seen call outs to that, even in you know our email blasts, they get less open, stuff like that. So shifting, I, I would say maybe the next step is shifting away from that kind of crisis angle and moving towards something that has more evergreen appeal. So we'll see. I think in the next few months, we're going to keep testing things and try and figure out what works, but you know. I think a, a combination of us approaching holiday season, Black Friday, Cyber Monday, it being a, an election year, I've seen CPMS go up a lot in the past couple months. There's a lot of uh, factors at play, and it's hard to say exactly what could be causing a rise in, in CPAs or rise in costs, stuff like that. But we're gonna we're definitely gonna be testing all different things and and try and keep this uh, offer going.
1: I'm curious now that you say that. Because I know that you had to tweak a lot of, and some of the listeners might remember Ralph and I talking about some of our older ads that Digital Marketer was running for a while. But in terms of, we've been running the Epic Challenge since really, since you started. What have we changed so far? And what are you looking at in terms of audiences and funnel level? And it sounds like we've changed the copy a little bit. But has anything worked in particular that you've seen helping drastically, at least through the summer months, I guess? Obviously, there's going to be extenuating circumstances, like Ralph said, as we dive into the holidays and November during election season. But was there anything in particular that you've been testing that you saw actually helped move the needle a little bit?
3: Yeah. So this funnel has been really interesting because what works one month just doesn't work the next month. So it's like this (laughs) cat and mouse. Interesting
1: sounds like a good word.
3: (laughs) Yeah, it's this cat and mouse game. I'm playing with audiences and trying to find some ones that work. And for the longest time, our lookalikes didn't convert at all. Roll someone that has extensive email lists and has a lot of site traffic. And in an ideal world, those lookalikes of those people should convert well. But for us, it, it wasn't converting well at all lookalikes of people that had bought in the challenge previously weren't working, like nothing was working. So we leaned towards interest-based targeting and Mm. found a few that were really scalable audiences for us, focusing on just using our customer avatar to inform those decisions. That was what drove scale for us a lot, which is not something that you see a lot. I I would say, at least I haven't in my experience, usually lookalikes are helping to drive scale for me. But in this case, it's testing interests and rotating out creative pretty regularly, a combination of, of those things. But mm-hmm. we have these cases like last month, for example, when I, I find a, a lookalike that works really well. And that is what drives scale for the month. So last month, it was an audience of people that have been to the website more than three times and mm-hmm. never bought a lookalike of that is what drove scale last time. Mm-hmm. So it's really... This game is fun game of trying to find something that will work for the month. And since this is like a short run funnel, we run ads for two weeks and then the challenge actually happens, then we're off for two weeks. And I think that's part of it.
1: And I think that's something we haven't even talked about is something we used to do try to do at DM before Garrett started with us, we would essentially work through a Blitz launch and go all channel in terms of a promotion that we were running. But anytime I was working with a paid media agency, it was always really difficult to run ads for only 2 weeks. And this particular funnel is... Yeah, you have to turn it on and off because the epic challenge is just that it's a challenge and it's uh i think it, it runs for seven days so you're turning ads on and off are you finding that like infinitely more difficult than just a regular promo of having that like timeline
3: yeah i would say it, it has its pros and cons because when you have to stop running ads and a challenge is about to start like it's a live challenge so obviously if you join it you have access to the to the recordings but you want to be there live to ask your questions and stuff like that but you know in the days leading up to when registration closes we drive cpa's significantly down by right. adding a call out to our ads that say registration closing soon mm-hmm. apply now we'll have a last day variation like last day to register and playing off that sense of urgency when I'm about to turn the ads off it you know, really brings down CPAs for the overall month at the end. So that's, that would be the benefit to it. I would say the negative of it is probably harkens back to what I was talking about earlier, where you have audiences that work sometimes and then the next month they don't work. Mm -hmm. I think pausing Facebook's learning and turning them back on later is contributes a lot to that as well. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's pros and cons to that. But certainly if this was an evergreen, like you never had to shut them off, in your opinion, would you get better results? Because you would be able to really optimize the algorithm for the types of people that ultimately not only opt in, but buy on the back end. Because you're focused really on a CPA front-end goal. But we also know that Roland is diabolical and has all kinds (laughs) of upsells after that initial purchase.
1: So What? What are you talking about?
0: (laughs) Diabolical in a good way.
3: Yeah. It's hard, it's hard to say definitively. I think, you know, I want to say that if it was evergreen, some of I look like audiences would perform better if they were on longer. But, you know, at the same time, like just seeing how we're able to bring CPAs down, driving that urgency, if it was evergreen, that's not really something I would be able to take advantage of. So, right. but yeah, we are focused on an overall cost. If you were to go in the ad account and look at, what I'm doing for Epic Challenge, and you saw the ROAS, you'd be like, what What the hell? This guy doesn't know what he's doing at all. But <laughs> we're not focused on front-end ROAS, we're focused on getting people into the funnel. And that's why, that's why knowing the lifetime value of your customers is so important, because you can plan differently. And if someone came in here and saw the ROAS on the Epic Challenge, they would think that this is a failure of a product and stop running it. But when your funnel is good, and yeah, Roland has upsells, and... The entire goal of the Epic Challenge is to get someone to eventually move into the Epic Accelerator, which is our high ticket item. And we become uh so good at uh, closing those deals over the life of the challenge that all the upfront advertising costs cancel out. And the true ROAS, as one would say, is is particularly good at the end of the month.
0: I have a feeling he's probably adding up the ad spend in total and then, you know, looking at his bank account and figuring out like what the ROAS is from
3: <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
0: and this is all you say you're going to be bringing this over to i mean i see some of the funnel is on scalable.co but you're going to be taking a lot of this off click funnels and owning it on your own property is that sort of one of the plans to be able to facilitate changes and and keep things internal
3: yeah i think that's probably phase one of our pivot is moving this to full-time scalable products as far as I know, Rowan's still going to be still going to be teaching it and doing everything in the actual live workshop. But yeah, I think that's phase one. Here is moving it to the scale scalable products, and then later down the road, I think we're going to talk about moving away from the whole crisis messaging but We'll see. Taking baby steps. Uh, <laughs> it's still the epic challenge currently as we're running it now.
0: Yeah, it's amazing looking at it. There's it seems like everything is done, all the purchases are done online and there's no salesperson that needs to get involved here. So there's all kinds of ways in which, and I would highly encourage you as the perpetual traffic listener, just to buy this anyway. We'll leave a link in the show notes because Roland's stuff is really good. If you're not a listener of Business Lunch, you should be, because this is exactly (laughs) the kind of things that he talks about. And this is obviously a digitized way of doing it and then some live training as well but like the entire pathway is all done and fascinating because we have a sales team in the company that I run here. It's all done online without a Mm -hmm. salesperson actually getting in and selling a four, almost five figure product at the end of the day. And not everybody's going to buy that, but you've warmed them up all the way through the process that they're, you know, you've provided so much value either through upsells, through email follow-up. doesn't sound like through retargeting ads, but that's how this is really backing out and producing some pretty tremendous return on ad spend, which is is a great result here. Any ideas on what kind of return on ad spend we're looking at here? Because we don't have the conversion data inside Facebook right now because it's a little bit longer of a sale. What's your guess? Where's it sort of at?
3: We're generally around a a six row as all said and done. And for in in terms of like cost per acquisition at, at top funnel, it's a good goal for us is anything under $200 so it's definitely expensive from an advertising standpoint but just understanding understanding the full funnel and understanding how much money we make on the back end it, it gives us the flexibility to have advertising costs that high so
0: yeah for sure so it's it's just a matter of looking at things differently if you're trying to get a $5 lead to sell a $50 product and you're doing that day in and day out, acquisition cost maybe being five dollars, and you're making fifty on the back end, you're doing two hundred and making twelve hundred on the back end, which ain't too shabby.
1: Not bad at all.
0: <laughs> High priced products sold without sales call. I'm sure there probably is some kind of offline here. I'm sure Roland probably takes some of these folks and pitches from the stage or whatever it happens to be and converts <laughs> them that way. But the point is, even though your acquisition cost is relatively high at 200 for a 55 sale, the return is tremendous because the funnel works and because the value is there. And I think that's one of the big things that people really need to be mindful of, especially now and into the next part of next year and beyond, is really looking at all those metrics on your back end and not worrying about your front-end metric as, as much. And Ryan said this for years and years, Ryan, that being Ryan Dice, Mm -hmm. is that he or she who can and is willing to and is able to pay more to acquire a customer,
3: Mm -hmm. at
0: the end of the day, wins. That's exactly what you guys are doing here, which is great.
3: Totally. And I encourage the people that are, if you have like e-commerce stores or you're selling products, you guys can be looking at average cart value, average order value, and focusing on fostering repeat customers. That's your version of doing this. There's not always an upsell if you're not selling individual products. But yeah, I would say if you think about those things, lifetime customer value and average order value, that's how you can uh, justify higher cost if you're not making money on the front end.
1: And this has benefited at least our company across multiple levels, just because because we saw success with this funnel and program that Roland was running in particular. It helped Richard and Ryan and Matt Swan, who's our head of marketing now, create the napkin challenge, which I believe we've talked a little bit about on perpetual traffic on how Ryan built this program around being able to fit A funnel on the 5 by 5 cocktail napkin. Because we saw such success with this, we were able to replicate it into a different product that we could then use for Digital Marketer, which is obviously beneficial to me because I'm working (laughs) solely for Digital Marketer. And the napkin challenge proved uh, very fruitful when it comes to social and content on that perspective. But I think what happened with this is that it, it... built out an entire like predictable selling system that we could not only use on Facebook, but across multiple business units as we started to build it out. And I believe that was the idea that triggered the napkin challenge is the epic challenge because we saw that these timeframes, in terms of giving people a deadline on making sure that people had to buy within a certain time frame, which is that's a I don't want to say like oldest trick in the book, but <laughs> I think it's a, a pretty simplistic way to think about it. And when we saw the success of that, it allowed us to build out at least some, at least a few different other products.
3: Yeah, definitely the epic challenge format, the way we're able to drive urgency and give someone a definitive. Time frame on how they can impact their business directly, I think those are what appeals to people. so for something like the paper napkin challenge it 's all about changing your business in five days for the epic mm-hmm. challenge it 's learn how to buy a business in five days. Mm-hmm. so I think people just like naturally are attuned to instant gratification uh, <laughs> rather than long term benefits, so <laughs> this kind of tackles both of those things you 'll change your business in five days, but you 'll be better for it in the long run.
1: And especially right now, when no one really wants to think about what's going to happen in the, what's happening in the future, (laughs) especially within 2020, that idea, I hadn't even really thought about it from that perspective. But yeah, the idea that right now we want something that's immediate, that's immediately going to help us, immediately going to make us feel nostalgia, immediately going to change our business, immediately see value. I think that's exactly what people are looking for right now.
3: And the the paper napkin challenge is something that the funnel is not as mature as the epic challenge so for reference we're spending around 5k on the paper napkin challenge versus 75k for the epic challenge but (laughs) we're learning i guess how to improve our messaging and, and how to change things to make them scalable so for example the first time we ran the paper napkin challenge we were positioning it as a marketing plan that fits on a napkin and it didn't particularly do well in our top funnel audiences. It did well in middle funnel and bottom funnel. People that are familiar with DM, they're relatively interested in most of our products, it seems. Um, <laughs> but the second time that we ran it, we shifted it away from a marketing plan that fits on a napkin to changing your business in five days, how to mm. improve your business in five days. And we saw a, a drastic decrease in, in CPAs when we made that change. So the next step is just building off of that.
0: Constantly refining the message. It sounds like you're sort of at that crossroads right now with the Epic Challenge too, is refining that message and tuning in on what people really want or what loss they're trying to avert, (laughs) depending (laughs) on which it is. But these are certainly great front-end offers that for anybody who has a front-end offer that's a digital product, you can change your messaging with the same product. In essence, without deceiving your audience, obviously you're not going to bait and switch here, but it's your messaging that you can change up. And this is done through research, through understanding your avatar, through understanding like what their desires and what their pain points are, but you can split test just about anything. Like we're doing the same thing constantly with customers of ours, as well as tier 11 products, like just changing up the front end offer just slightly, maybe tweaking a video that's being delivered upon an opt-in or it's changing a checklist or a Word document that uh, teaches people how to do a certain thing. Like changing up your front-end offer based upon changing market conditions is super important right now and always will be. And then obviously you write your ad copy and your messaging and your creative that goes along with it. So sounds like you guys are, are about to do the same thing here with some of these offers that have performed really well.
3: Definitely. And for us, it's all about creating these predictable selling systems, which in itself was a major pivot from what we've been doing previously. But yeah, I think when I got here, my supervisor, Matt Swan, one thing that he's been really drilled into me is how important the copy is and understanding how you're going to position a product from a copy standpoint before you even, you know, start thinking about images and videos and stuff like that because, you know, obviously your copy needs to inform those things. So yeah, I would definitely encourage everyone to to test your messaging and your angle for your front-end offer as much as possible. Couldn't agree more.
1: And I think to pull this around 360, that was actually one of the interview questions that I forget who asked it to you, Garrett. I, I believe when we interviewed you, we said we want you to rank what's most important in a Facebook ad, the copy, the design, or I forget what the last one was. It was the copy, the design, or the, the, oh, the audience. Yeah, yeah, the audience. And I think you answered very eloquently, but I do remember that you said, well, depending on the product, I would say you have to put copy first. So I think that may have been been the sticking point of making sure that we hired Garrett onto the team. And fortunately, it's turned out very fruitful for us. And we've obviously enjoyed having you, even though Garrett's very first day was the first day of we were remote for the (laughs) pandemic. So he did all of this remotely, which we are very grateful for. But this has been uh, so much fun. And hopefully we will I think Ralph will agree with me. Hopefully we'll be able to continue to have you on perpetual traffic throughout the next few months and moving into 2021 as we start to ramp up our predictable selling systems on the digital marketer side, but also as we start to move through some different things on the scalable side and on Roland's side as well, because I feel like it's fun to get those, it's fun to get the inside tips of what's going on the other business units, at least from my perspective and hopefully from a listener perspective too. So thanks so much for hopping on with us today, Garrett.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, it's great to have you on Garrett and best of luck with future digital market campaigns. We'll have to have you back on and see how you pivot to the next thing here.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Look forward to chronicling our our success with, with you guys.
1: We're looking forward to it. Thank you all for being here today, and we'll catch you later. See ya. You've been listening to Perpetual Traffic. For more information and to get the resources mentioned in this episode, visit digitalmarketer.com forward slash podcast. Thank you for listening.